Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. I'm Melissa Edgington. 31 for 31. May Madness. We're right in the thick of it. 31 things to teach your kids in 31 days, and we're already on day 21. 21. We've done this 21 days in a row. Amazing. Yeah. So let's do a quick recap of the day here. Uh, The alarm went off at about 7. And you and Adelaide, sure enough, got up and went and ran. Sawyer ran with you. Yeah. And I would have gone, but I needed to watch the little one. No, um, I, truly, I wasn't going to get up and go. It seemed like you were not out of bed. Yeah, I was not going to go do that. I was not going to go do that. I did it. And it wasn't even that hard. I'm yeah. in a lot better shape than I thought I was. That's good. That's always good to find out. Yeah. I'm, I'll just be honest with you. I drank a lot of water today at once out of a bottle. I got some Chuck Norris water. It's kind yeah. of a little special thing I get for Adelaide after dance because it's the cheapest specialty water they have at United Supermarket. And uh, just drinking the water gave me a stitch in my side. <laughs> so I can't imagine what happens if I run for a mile. Yeah, I didn't get a stitch in my side. Yeah. I forgot about that feeling because uh, I haven't worked out in so long. <laughs> I'm a big stitch in the side guy. <laughs> That's kind of that's kind of my ministry. <laughs> what? You know, my ministry is really just to go into a church and just to be a a stitch in your side, <laughs> kind of a hitch in your get along. You know, I was radical way before David Platt. Okay, we'd go into a church and just say the hard things that need to be said, and no one likes that. It's like a stitch in your side. Yeah. Makes you slow down and say, wait a minute, what's happening here? <laughs> no. uh, I, I've i always, you know, because you think, man, that's, what what is a stitch in your side? I don't know what, what causes that. What causes that? that? I think it's just your body being mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, big day. At the Edgington house. Today was a happy day for one child and an unhappy day for another. One got braces off and the other one had braces put on. Yeah. And what's so strange about it is the 10-year-old was the one getting his braces off and the 13-year-old had to have them put on. Yeah. The sad thing for the 10-year-old is it's a few more years and he's going to have to have them put back on again. Yeah. So it was nice to have, he'll he'll have that slimy teeth feeling twice in his life. He'll have a little break from the braces here. He looks really, looks really good. He looks so cute. Those giant straight teeth look so good. Um, And he, he just, uh, he doesn't like the molds. He doesn't like sitting in the chair. He doesn't like, you know, just, he, he gets really tensed out at the dentist but nobody likes those molds do you remember what that's like oh yeah i hate it i mean i have had them recently when i had my my um uh crown put on oh yeah but uh man you know he he is he just gets it done in the dentist chair yeah despite the anxiety and all that yeah doesn't ask for the gas just I was so thankful today. They just whisked him back there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have to go brush their teeth right when they get there. Yeah. And so they just took him from the teeth brushing thing, and they didn't 
let me know he was going so I didn't have to go back there. And I was so glad that I missed the mold because he gagged in the whole thing, you know, (laughs) trying to get that mold, but he got it. He He finally got it done. It's hard for me to watch that because I have anxiety about the dentist. And so for me to sit there and watch the kids and they're trying to be all brave and stuff, but I can see their hands, you know, are really tensed up. They're clenching their their hands together. I do the same thing. Oh, it's so sad. It's a a bad thing. But anyway, uh, so that was kind of fun. And I had, uh, I got a lot done today in the garage. My main goal today was to make sure that we were going to have enough golf balls to get through the summer. That is just so high priority. Yeah. So I, I cleaned all, all the golf clubs. I cleaned them off, made sure that, you know, we got some clubs for them all to use at the little tournament coming up. We have our, every summer, the aluminum extrusion plant in Alney, Texas has a a golf tournament called the tower tournament tower extrusion tournament and it's so fun all the kids come out to play golf and they they give away prizes and there's a free hot dog lunch afterward and and uh it's really it's kind of one of the highlights of the summer so i wanted to make sure everybody had some clubs and i took emerald out and i had to make her stop hitting because i was pretty sure she was about to break a window really she she, could she whack it like every third swing she would make contact, and she would send it like 50 yards. Nice. Which is pretty good for a little one. Yeah. You know, for a five-year-old or six, six-year-old. Six six-year-old. Yeah. And she was hitting it across, way across the yard, and I, had, oh, she, I better stop because I thought, well, she might break our window. But then it looked like she might break someone else's, so I thought, oh, I better shut this down. Yeah. But she was, uh, she was excited about that. I think this is why the world needs men, because the world needs some human creature out there that enjoys spending hours polishing up golf clubs and counting golf balls. I washed golf balls today to make sure we'd all have enough and they would be clean. Yeah. I was vacuuming out the little pockets of the golf bags because they had so many broken cookies in the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) The kids are big on snacks when they're golfing. Adelaide, we, we played Saturday and was that Saturday? We went out? Yeah, we went out on Saturday. And so I've, fig- I've cracked the code on golf, how to do it cheap. The key to cheap golf is play nine holes. Did I already say this before? Yeah, you said you it play- on that day, yeah, you know, because we podcast yeah, every day. Yeah, you play nine. In case you, did, in case you forgot, <laughs> only play nine holes. That's plenty of golf. No one needs to play more than nine holes of golf. Play nine holes of golf and then walk. And you get a bunch of steps in. You have a lot of good conversation time with your kids. And it, it's less than $20 at a cheap municipal course if they'll be kind and give your daughter the senior discount. So uh, we have, we're set for the summer on golf equipment, I think. And I'm looking forward to the tournament and just playing for fun. I'm going to try to play some golf this, uh, golf, golf this summer. A lot of walking, a lot of hot golf. Yeah. Hot golf in Texas. It's a different kind of sport. And out here in the country, in the you know, out as you move towards West Texas, there's no sand, there's there's creeks, but there's really no water hazards. You basically just play golf in a pasture, so it's a lot more fun than regular golf because there's a lot less ways to lose your ball (laughs) (laughs) or to get stuck somewhere where you have to make a hard shot. Uh, The bad part about it is you play basically on a fairway of weeds. There's no grass. 
It's just you just set the ball up on a weed mm-hmm. somewhere where your club's not going to get damaged by hitting against the, the hard ground. But uh, so, Matt, how can we segue into our topic? I got way off topic. I don't know. We, we don't usually segue. We just, you know, yeah, switch gears. We, we could say, you know, and whenever I was out playing golf, I was out in public with my daughter. And tonight's topic is... <laughs> okay, so we're on number 21. Tonight's topic is teach your kids to behave in public. Of course, you want to teach them to behave everywhere. Mm-hmm. But... Especially you want to teach them kind of some social rules of how to behave in public. Because you do not want to live your life where you live in fear of taking your kids out in public because of what they may do or how they may act. Right. When you're living that way, then your kids are in charge and you aren't. And that is not a way to live. It will make parenthood miserable for you. Mama's dropping truth bombs tonight, guys. (laughs) Only because I know that from experience because I've been there. I think we've all been there where you realize it's like one day you wake up and you're like, wait a minute. These kids are ruling my life. And we're about to change that. And that is about to change. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So if that's where you are today then be encouraged because it's not even that hard to turn things around. All it really takes is consistency on your part. Well, it that's doesn't where take, we all mostly struggle, though. It doesn't take being mean mm-hmm. or being harsh or anything like that. So give me some first steps. Like if, I'm, if I feel like my kids are, you know, when I go out in public with them, I have no idea what they're going to say, what they're going to do. I just sort of nervously laugh at everything they do because I don't know what to do. What are my steps to get this in control? Okay. I think it's important. And I know that this sounds really nerdy, but it's important to prepare your kids for the potential conversations that they will have when they go out in public. And so you can start by kind of role-playing those conversations at home. Like you say to your your four-year-old, okay, now um, when we go to church, there may be somebody who compliments you on your dress or says that you look handsome today, and what should you do if that happens? And then if they don't know, then you tell them. If that happens, you look the person in the face and you say thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can have those role-play conversations even when they're a lot older. Oh, yeah. It's just they get, the, the conversations get more complicated. Right. But there are a lot of things you can do with role-playing at home. Especially, you know, like I, I still to this day prepare my kids like before a birthday party, for instance. I will say to my kids, if it's another kid's birthday party, I will say, when it's time to open presents, you need to back up and you need to sit down. You're not going to block the whole family from seeing the kid open presents because mm-hmm. you're standing up there. You know, right. trying to get in on the present opening, and and they need to be they need to be reminded of that because then when they get into the present opening at a birthday party, there's nothing like that, except for the pinata time. But there's someone swinging a stick there, so you know to back up. But that present opening is really exciting. Yeah, and, and so they all kind of crowd the kid because they want to see, they want to be the first to see what comes out of the bag. Right, and you have to and you have to remind them, back up. Slow your roll. Yeah, because if the parents aren't keeping their kids from crowding the child who's opening the present, 
then half the time the kid doesn't even get to open his own presents because people are pulling stuff out of bags. Or the mo- the poor mother's back there trying to take pictures, and all she can see is the back of your kid's heads. Yeah. So that's just an example of the kinds of things you, and if it's your own kid's birthday party, then you tell them before the party, now what are you going to do if you open a present and you already have it at home? Then you teach them to say, thank you so much. You teach them not to say, oh, I already have one of these. Your kids, if you don't tell them what is socially appropriate, they don't know. You can't expect kids to just intuitively pick up on what is appropriate and what is polite because most of the time they don't. So you have to you have to talk to them about these things and lay well, out what, the situation. What do, you th- what do you think that is? Because I don't think the thought would occur to a kid that it would be rude to say I already have one of these. Especially since most kids would be like, oh, this is awesome. Now I have two of these. Right, right, you know? right. Or sometimes they open up the same present at the same birthday party. Yeah. Because, I mean, how many toys are there at Dollar General? That's true. Because, you know, last-minute moms like you. Yeah. Last-minute dads like me. Let's run into Dollar General. Let's get them something. So that's when I go in there and try to get them, like, the wild card. You know, try to find something that I know no one else got them. Oh, really? Like what? No, like a 12-pack of Dr. Pepper. (laughs) Maybe a cooler, a plastic mini Adirondack chair. I don't know. Is that the way you say that? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to go a fishing pole. Just stuff that kids don't normally get at parties. Yeah. Just take them something funky. I like it. Yeah. That's how I roll. So there are other things, you know, you want to teach your kids how to not be annoying in restaurants. I, I, I speak kind of bluntly about these things, and it might not be quite sensitive enough for some of our listeners, but the truth is, you know, it always comes back to, for me, I want to raise kids that people want to be around. Mm-hmm. And so you want to raise kids who you can say to them, the grown-ups are talking, go play. Right. You know, that you're not part of this conversation. And kids don't mind being told that. I think grown-ups really are afraid to say things like that to their kids. But if you're establishing in your home, there's some things that are grown-up conversations and some things that the kids can be involved in. But there is a difference. And when I tell you you need to go play, then you need to go. Mm-hmm. This is not your conversation. Right. And, I mean, kids don't care. They Most kids don't even want to be involved in adult conversations anyway. Mm-hmm. So at restaurants, you know, you want to teach your kids to be quiet you know, just things like that. Stay in their chair, which that is probably the hardest one, is to get kids to stay in their chair at a restaurant, even when they get older. Yeah. They like to get up and go around to people and say things. And I do the same. I feel the same way. <laughs> 43. I keep That's having to tell up. Chad, yeah. could you please sit down? Just please sit in your chair. Right. And there, you know, there are a lot of, like in church, you know, you want to teach your kids not to turn around and look at the people behind them. <laughs> You know, things like that. I mean, there's so many things to teach kids. It's just a constant thing that you need to just be conscious of all of the ways that you want to teach your kids how to be socially um, graceful and And, not socially awkward. And what we learned in our early parenting days, I was talking to CJ, our youth pastor, the other day and saying, gosh, you know, all of this gets a lot easier when the kids get older, you know. Some things get harder, 
but this gets easier uh, because if you'll train them and Melissa's done a good job you know teaching them and training them then you just you really don't worry about how they're going to act you just it's not a it's not an issue anymore they yeah. know how to go to a restaurant they know how to be in a social situation they know to keep their mouths shut um, and not to act out and, and not to touch people's things that don't belong belong to them but but when you're going through that that phase and there's a phase every kid hits and we would hit we would hit the phase like you're in a phase where you're carrying the car seat in yeah. You're carrying the car seat into the restaurant. They turn a high chair upside down. You sit it in there, and the child just doesn't make any noise for the whole time. You're just eating what spaghetti and at the Olive Garden or whatever. No problem. You, you know, people are, are having a nice meal all around you, and your baby isn't disturbing anybody. Yeah. But then there would come a point, like where we were, at, you know, we'd be at the Cracker Barrel, and it would just be like, okay, I guess we just hit the – we just – we just hit the phase where we can't come out to eat for a while. Yeah. And and we wouldn't put the child in that situation because they just didn't know and they just couldn't behave. They were just they would get tired and restless and and then we would just get pizza or eat at home. Yeah. And not try and if people say we're going to go out, well, we we need to maybe do something different because we're really at a we're in a no restaurant phase right now. It's just not working. And that didn't last very long. It's yeah. just a month or two. Or five, or whatever it is. I don't remember. I don't remember how long was that that we would go through those. Phases. I think it depends on the child. Yeah. But yeah, there there are so many phases to go through, and there are a lot of phases where, you know, when you're in the training stages, it gets really. I mean, a lot of it is not very pleasant, mm-hmm. and you really have to be devoted. I think if you want to have a point that where you get to like when they're four or or just turning five, when finally you feel like you can take them anywhere and you don't have to worry about it, Mm -hmm. then you have to be basically that is your job is you're training them up until that point. And it's tiring and you have to really be consistent. You don't need to make threats that you're not going to carry through with. You know, I've, I, there were s- several times with our firstborn when I would be shopping in Walmart getting groceries. I would have a full cart of groceries, and she would just be melting down. You know, I wasn't done yet. I still had things to get. But I made the threat a few times. If you don't stop acting like this right now, we're going to walk out of here and we're going to go home. And... She didn't stop, and I had to make good on my threat. So I had to go find an employee. I'm carrying this screaming child and say to them, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to leave these groceries. What should I do? And they were always so, so very gracious. Mm -hmm. And then I would carry the child out. And, you know, after I did that maybe two times, then I had made a believer out of her. And Mm -hmm. when I made that threat, and she knew I was really going to do it, even though that was a really crazy thing to do, especially when you'd done all that work of gathering up groceries. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're going to make a threat like that, you've got to follow through or your threats won't work. Yeah. If they're going to go crazy on them. If you're going to, you know, that's sometimes there's a time to be, you know, as a parent, say something like that. Hey, if you, if you don't stop it, if you, if you guys can't do this, we're not going to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And that and that seems in that child's mind like, well that sounds completely crazy. And that you once but once you get them convinced that you are crazier than they are. Yeah. 
they'll heed the threat. There is a really good book I would recommend that's called The Strong-Willed Child that really changed my parenting because it is all about how you are not going to allow your child to win any battles. (laughs) (laughs) And I read that when I was going through a phase with Adelaide, if you remember, Chad, where there were a few times I called you at work crying. And I said, you have to come home and deal with this child because Mm. she was so strong-willed. Well, that book really taught me that you can win battles against children without ever raising your voice. Mm. And that was a huge thing in my parenting because I didn't like who I was when I was going crazy and screaming, you know, and getting all emotional about it. It wasn't effective for one thing. And I was getting all worked up and I didn't like who I was. Mm. And when I learned that it is possible for you to make reasonable and even slightly crazy threats and then follow through with them and teach your kids, yeah, I'm really going to do what I said I'm going to do. Right. Then it made all the difference. Mm -hmm. I remember I took away a Barbie pool one time. Remember that? I do remember that. That was a big deal, right? It was big. I just decided if... Why did I take it away? I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember the reason. But it was something like that was a big popular toy at the time. Yeah. In her mind. And I was like, do it again, no more Barbie pool. Yeah. And I put the Barbie pool somewhere. I put it up somewhere to take it away. And then we forgot about it. Yeah, <laughs> and then we found it when we were moving. Yeah, so I took the Barbie pool away forever. <laughs> but, you know, it's just it's just hard work, guys, when your kids are little. It's a lot. But mm. it is so, 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 so worth it. Because, you know, like take Adelaide, for instance. Adelaide's 13 now. And she was the most strong-willed little child. And to be honest, the, sh- the child still has a strong will. I mean, she I saw a shirt the other day that said, um, I would agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. And I thought, that's the perfect shirt for Adelaide. <laughs> because she has a mind of her own. But now, you know, she's channeling that mind of her own. Now that she's she's seeing the world through a biblical lens and she's seeing things in a spiritual way, she's channeling that mind of her own into becoming a child who will live out her Christian faith regardless of what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not easily influenced by other people at this phase in her life, and I hope that she maintains that. I pray that she does. But, you know, those little strong-willed people that you're dealing with right now, you just keep pointing them to Christ, and you keep taking it back to the Bible, and you keep training them, and it's going to pay off. It's it's so going to be worth it. it. And the objection is, well, I just, when I do do that, or maybe maybe you work, and you'd say, well, I'm only with them for so many hours. I don't want to be the unpleasant disciplinarian while I'm, while... I have this precious time with my kids before they have to go to bed and I have to get up and take them to daycare the next day. But you, that's, that's no reason not to do the hard work because in the end, not doing that hard work of parenting actually does the child a disservice. And you, and you don't want to do a disservice to the child. I agree. And I think that a lot of us have the misconception That to train your children and to discipline them means that you're yelling and that you're being harsh and you're being mean. Because that is not the most effective way 
to train children. And so if you're struggling in that way, I would recommend that you read maybe that The Strong-Willed Child that I mentioned or other parenting books that will help you learn some strategies because, um, you know, nobody wants to have that kind of environment in their home where there's just a lot of conflict all the time. There are ways to get your kids to do what you're asking them to do without having to go through all of that. That's mm. so unpleasant for all of you. Mm. So, well, that's uh, that's some major truth there you're dropping. It's something I'm passionate about because I hate it when people say that. I can't believe I just said that. I am just really, this is my passion. <laughs> it's my heart. My heart is like really passionate, you know. All I can say to you is that thinking about discipline and being real about it and just sort of like being an authentic, uh, missional authoritarian in my household, it's my life and my passion. And I just get like super excited about talking about these things. Is that how you feel? Yeah. Um, so I don't ever think in that voice though that you used. That's the voice I use for all people of them, of that generation. Yeah. It's the vocal fry. Yeah. They're so excited about everything. (laughs) Yeah. Like the, here's the answer. Every question. If you notice, ask me a question. I'll show you how they answer every question. Are you excited about summer? Yeah. So I'm really, ask me another one. (laughs) Ask me another question. Um, do you wish you were a turtle? Yeah, so I really do, you know, about every other day, think, man, my life would be so much better if I had a shell. That's another one. <laughs> I think that's the best thing. No, just one more. Come on. I want to okay. Do. Um, do you like chocolate? Yeah, so not really. That's <laughs> it. One more. One more. <laughs> it's just, I only like chocolate if it's really bitter, and it's really hard to find really bitter chocolate, because it's got to have like 96% c- cacao, cocoa, <laughs> whatever that is. And that's really I wish hard. I could see his face. That's really hard to find unless you're at like a TJ Maxx or something. Do you have to make that face in order to make the voice? Yeah, so I can do it with another face. Like I can do my face like this, but it really changes the way the voice sounds. But yeah, I can. Any more questions? No. See, see how you do it though. Yeah. You answer every. Qu- you just did it. No, you answer every question with yeah. Like instead of thinking the answer through, you say instead of saying um, like the filler of choice is, yeah. So what about that's how you answer all the questions. Okay, good good life lessons there. And just be really passionate. <laughs> yeah, I'm just really passionate about you know getting into the answer of this question with you. Okay, so what I was going to say is I really care about this subject. Deeply. You deeply deeply care. Because I have been there. I have been the frustrated parent who could not figure out how to get her child to do what I wanted her to do. So I've been there, and then I've seen the other side of it where I figured it out, and life was so much better. It was so, so much easier. Yeah. And... I really feel like, you know, I can't say it enough to parents that you have about four or five years to really just saturate your kids with 
all types of teaching and training before they start school. Because once they start school, you know, your teacher, the teacher has more of your kids than you do, mm. to be honest, at time wise. So even if you're a working mama, when your kids are very young, you have so much more time to teach and train them. And so don't waste the time. Use the time. And then by the time they start school, you will have all the hardest work as far as the basics of training kids and teaching them, you know, to to think according to um, your family values, first of all, and your your level of social awareness yeah just how you how your family is going to behave how they're going to operate yeah they're going to operate in the world and 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 i would say i could hear that and object and say well what it sounds to me like you're saying that the the school teacher is then going to raise my child but that is not what happens and we've that's not what i'm saying yeah because the the same all the kids from the different homes go to the same teacher yeah and it's not like the teacher then makes them all behave a certain way there's going to, that the difference is what's happening at home. And you know who will be the first one to tell you that? The teacher yeah. will say I, the ones that come from homes where they're taught these things, where, where the parents are reading to them and where they're exposing them to ideas and art and all these and, and making them uh, well-rounded and uh, in, 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 even as tiny little, little ones um, in their education, they'll say, this is what really helps me. Yeah. Is when it, whenever I have a child who knows how to sit still, when I have a child, when that's being reinforced at home right. and being taught at home, or or I guess they're reinforcing it at school. Yeah. But the the mom that this consistently what I've heard my whole life is that there's there's no one who has as much influence over their kids as the parents ever. Yeah. Unless you totally abdicate your duty to the children, you will always be the greatest influence. Even whenever they're grown, you'll still have the greatest influence in their life. So. Again, I'd say that's to to sort of piggyback on what you're saying there, that don't take it for granted and don't waste the time that you have with them, because this is the this is the thing God has given you to do. It's a great honor to be a parent. Yeah. So, well, all right. I guess we're out of time. Okay. It's been awesome to podcast with you. 21, yeah. Twenty one days in a row. Yeah, it really and has. It's so. been it's like really creating a passion. In my heart, to podcast all the time. It's so random the way it's, we're doing this every night. It's like when I was telling that story, I thought this is so surreal. I feel like <laughs> I've told this like five times in a row. <laughs> but I was really passionate about that surreal randomness. <laughs> <sighs> See you tomorrow. Oh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.